guys, and welcome to episode 11 of the One Life Podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Graby. Our mission at One Life is to inspire you to take risks, dream big, and to live your life on purpose. Our sponsor today is TouchTap. TouchTap is awesome, and they are your mobile app development agency. They bring your idea to life, and at TouchTap, they believe in building mobile experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. From idea to inception, TouchTap is your mobile app development agency. You can find out all the information you need at touchtap.io. All right, we have a really awesome guest today. He has such an incredible story, and I can't wait to dive into our conversation. Oh, yeah, this one out there is a strong one for the fellas. It sure is. After such a fun, girly episode last week with Mm -hmm. Andre Howie, if you didn't get to listen to that, make sure you go back and listen to episode 10 with Andre Howie. But for all the fellas out there, you will be so excited to hear from our guest today. Jason Romano. Jason... Man, he's a speaker, an author, he's a media consultant, and he's a host of a podcast called Sports Spectrum, where they interview athletes and coaches and other personalities kind of focused on the sports world, but along with the faith journey as well. Jason worked at ESPN for 17 years as a senior manager and producer, shows we've all seen like SportsCenter, Monday Night Football, Mike and Mike. Sunday NFL Countdown, College Game Day, MLB All-Stars, you name it, this guy has done it. And he shares with us stories of how he encountered Daryl Strawberry and Emmett Smith and Tony Dungy. I mean, it was such a great interview. I'm so glad you guys are here and you are going to love it. So Really amazing stories. Yeah. I loved his stories. And here's the thing. He talks about the power of forgiveness mm-hmm. and how it impacted his life and how he had to write it in a book. And so... There's a lot wrapped up in this short period of time. You are all going to love it if you're a sports fan or not. So get ready. Here is Jason Romano. Well, hey, guys. Today we're here with an amazing individual. His name is Jason Romano, and he's done some unbelievable things. Jason, welcome to the One Life Podcast. Pleasure to be on with you guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. It's such an honor to have you. And want to take a second real quick for our listeners who don't know you yet. Would you just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do? Sure. I'll start with I'm a dad and a husband. That's always the first two. Yeah. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. They're big, big ones. Job. Big job. Yeah. Uh, I am currently a podcast host for Sports Spectrum, uh, as well as writing content for SportsSpectrum.com. They're a, a faith and sports media brand, media ministry that's been around for over 30 years. Been working with them over the past year. So hosting a podcast, writing content. We also have a magazine that I contribute to that goes out quarterly. I'm also a media consultant, work with different people on their podcast, their media, do some coaching with them. And then I'm also kind of doing my own thing now as a speaker and an author, which is very weird to say uh, <laughs> on an interview, but I am an author now. So that's yeah. kind of what I've been doing. Yeah, That is so exciting. And man, I cannot wait to dive into your book. I mean, I can't wait for audience to hear about it. We're going to wait a second on that. But first, I want to take a second. And talk a little bit about the last, oh, I don't know, 16, 17 years of your life. You've been in this little startup company called ESPN. uh, Man, I would love to hear, as a sports guy myself, I would love to hear, how did you love sports growing up? How did you end up at ESPN? What are some cool stories, man? Just unpack a little bit about this. so fascinating for me as a sports fan. 
Yeah. So yeah, a little startup company, right? Out of Bristol, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. No big deal. Listen, I'm so blessed to have been there and worked at ESPN for 17 years. And I was a producer there and worked on many shows and did a lot of cool things. But yeah, as a kid, sports was it. Like that's all I cared about. You know, I didn't have much of a church background as a kid. I didn't really care about my studies, even though I had okay (laughs) grades. But when it was time to wake up in the morning, I fought my brothers for the sports section of the newspaper. And I would would watch every single game of the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Mets and the Boston Celtics. Those were my teams hmm. and my guys as kids. And like, I loved playing it. I played baseball. I played basketball. I loved to bowl. Like I did a lot of things <laughs> as sports as a kid, but I also loved to watch it. And I, I would eat, breathe and sleep it. I really would. And I would have notebooks where I would keep stats of Daryl Strawberry, my favorite baseball player as a kid and watch his games and literally before the internet, keep stats of every single player on my notebook. So I was just the sport sports nerd that you would fully expect uh, (laughs) would end up at ESPN. Right. And so that's what I did. And then when I was in high school, I discovered and sort of realized, I guess you have this, what do you want to do for the rest of your life moment? And I realized that I wanted to be in sports broadcasting. And that's where the sort of original idea came from to kind of go to college specifically for journalism, for broadcasting and study it, do whatever I could get as much experience as I could. And then lo and behold, five, six years later, I end up at ESPN. So it's kind of crazy. Man, that is awesome. And so was it 17 years, right? Yeah, almost 17. Okay, almost 17 years. You've got to have some just moments and experiences. <laughs> what is it that you go, man, that was a memorable moment for me or a couple memorable moments of people you encountered, situations you found yourself in that you go, man, that's once in a lifetime. Can't yeah. believe I got to do that. Well, I I remember the first time I went and covered a a week at the Super Bowl. That was an incredible thing. That was 2009. I think we were in Tampa, Florida for the Cardinals and the Steelers. And just to be there and covering an event on such a massive scale was just so cool. I mean, I'm a football guy at heart. That's my sport. That's my first sport that I love to watch as a kid. It's my earliest sports memories. So working and meeting my sports heroes. I remember the day Emmett Smith came to ESPN, and this is probably 2006, 2007. It was a year or two after he had retired from the Cowboys and the Cardinals. He finished up his last two years with the Cardinals. And Emmett comes to ESPN. And I remember thinking to myself, I have to meet this guy. I have to meet him. And I was working in a job where I was meeting a ton of athletes as it was. But that day was not sort of assigned to me. There was nothing that I was going to just kind of accidentally run into him. And Emmett comes to ESPN, and I remember an on-air guy named Trey Wingo. And Trey knows I'm a big Cowboys fan, so he sends me an email. He's like, hey, Romano, we have Emmett in the studio at 2.30. If you go at 2.25, I'll make sure that you have some time with him. I said, are you serious? (laughs) So I went over right away. I said, I'm going to stand right outside the studio, the NFL studio. I went over there. And I wait, and then at 2.25, I walk in, and there's just Emmett Smith literally in the middle of the studio by himself standing there. And I walk in, and I just say, Emmett, what's going on? I'm Jason Romano. I work here at ESPN. Huge Cowboys fan. Nice to meet you. And he goes, oh, yeah, Jason, how are you? And I'm like, uh, are you about to do your interview? He's like, yeah, Trey just kind of set me here in the middle of the studio for five minutes and told me to hang on. I don't know what he was doing. (laughs) And so I got literally three to five minutes with Emmett. And since then, I've met him a few other times and spent some more time with him. But that 
first moment of meeting really the guy that when I was in high school and in college, I watched every single game was an absolute blessing. And I got a picture with him that I still have just a really cool moment. And there's been a ton of those, but like that was one that really stuck out because it's the Cowboys. Absolutely. I get it. Yeah. We're down here in Texas, so we totally get that. Football football is like a religion here. You know, they start them young. They're they're in full pads and helmets at like three. That is so true. It's crazy. But Jason, there's, I've heard you share a moment before, a really crucial moment for you in your story that involved one of our favorite coaches too, Tony Dungy. And I'd love for you to just share that with our listeners. Yeah. So just to give you a little background on my faith walk, I didn't start my career at ESPN as a believer in Christ. So that kind of happened about a year and a half, two years into my career at ESPN. So I had called myself a Christian and I was going to church on Sundays, but didn't really understand what it meant to truly live out your faith, especially in the workplace. And my job at the time in 2009, I was a talent producer, a talent booker. So I was the guy that would book the guests that you would see on ESPN, on all the different shows, whether it's NFL, Sports Center. I was booking guests for those shows. And I got a call that Tony Dungy, the head coach, former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Super Bowl winning coach, was coming to ESPN. And they wanted me to sort of handle his day. And Tony was promoting a book called The Mentor Leader. And I just remember thinking, this is going to be a cool day. Like, it's one thing to have anybody who's sort of famous coming through and you spend time with them. But when you know that they're sort of like-minded and they have a faith that's strong and Tony is such a revered sort of figure in sports and especially in football, I got really pumped for this and excited. So Tony comes and we're walking around ESPN and the conversations we're having are not about football. Immediately, one of his assistants kind of asked me about my faith, and I told him I was a Christian and told him I love the Lord and things like that. And it just created this awesome dynamic of a conversation. But then there was a moment where we're in between shows and we're just kind of sitting in a green room area, and Tony looks over at me and he says, Jason, how do you live out your faith in the workplace? And it just caught me off guard. And I said, Coach, and I called him Coach, of course, because that's what we do. <laughs> Absolutely. Even he's never been my coach. Yeah. <laughs> he's the coach. He's man. everyone's coach. He's yeah. everyone's coach. That's right. Coach Dungy. So yeah. I said, Coach, I honestly don't know. I said, I, I go to church on Sundays, and I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to be here at ESPN because I really thought at that time maybe I should be working for a ministry, working in a sports ministry, working for a church, something. And his assistant, Jessica, just kind of steps in front of Tony when I say that and gives me this stern look like a mom looking at their kid who failed the test at school. It's like that look. And says to me, you don't get it, do you? And I said, what are you talking about? I don't get it. I want to do more for the Lord. And she goes, no, you don't understand the mission field that you have right here at ESPN. You don't understand the amount of people that you can impact for the kingdom of God right here at the biggest media, sports media company in the world. You're not getting that, and you need to get that. And until God has called you somewhere else, you are to bloom where you are planted, right here at ESPN. And that was just one of those wow moments for me. That changed my life. It really did, because it was that moment that I got it. We always try to figure out God's plan and figure out what's next for us and whatever, and we don't remain kind of focused in where we are. And I was so focused on trying to look towards what was next that I'd completely lost my grip on where I was at that moment. And where I was was at ESPN, and I was called to be as open and be a believer and impact lives and love and serve and care the people that I worked with. And it really just changed my life. So it's the Coach Dungy story, but it's actually the Jessica story because his assistant yeah. Jessica is the <laughs> one who just preached to me basically and poured these amazing words into my soul. 
Oh, I love that so much. I think it's so important for people to hear because God's planted us all in different places, in different jobs, in different roles, whether you're at ESPN or you're a mom or you're a teacher, you have a mission field wherever you are. Look around you. I love that she said that to you. Just look around you. And you know what, Jenny? It's not brain surgery here. It's literally just building relationships with people. And through those relationships, they're going to say, Jason, tell me about yourself. And boom, I have an opportunity to talk about my faith. So it's really not this difficult sort of, I need to be a biblical scholar to be able to talk about my faith. No, just build relationships with people. And through that, you're going to be able to talk about who you are in Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so good. And what I love is just one day that you think this thing is happening and then God totally rocks your world through an assistant. It's just, I mean, like, yeah, cool. All right. Sweet, God. That's that's great. Man, well, I love it. And so what I love about your story is because obviously I know your story. You bloomed where you were planted and then you did that. You were faithful to that. Mm -hmm. And recently, Recently, you took a big risk and leaving ESPN. And I, I want you to kind of share that story with us, if you could walk us through that process and what that looked like. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy process. And I remember the very first time I thought about this, this goes a few years after the Tony Dungy story around 2015. I don't know what it was, but I had this sort of thought in my spirit about wanting to do more for God. That's all I kept thinking and hearing and sort of, it was just something birthed inside of me that was saying, you need, it's time to do more for the Lord. And so I kind of just wrestled with that for a few months. And then I found myself speaking at a social media conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was the only person who worked at a secular company, of course, ESPN, at this conference. And everybody else who was there, they were the people who handled social media for some of the biggest churches and faith-based nonprofits in the country. And then there was me. And so I was sharing my story and sharing a little bit about social media at ESPN And when I was done and I started talking to a lot of these people, I walked away from that conference thinking, wow, there are people doing exactly what I'm doing at ESPN, but doing it for, in what I looked at as a greater cause, a greater purpose. So through that process and again, relationships, right? Talking to different people, building relationships, being not only authentic, but being intentional about who I was reaching out to, just trying to build relationships with people in the faith space. And about a year later is when this all kind of took its form October or November of 2016 that I got a call from the folks over at Pro Athletes Outreach and they own Sports Spectrum, which is the company that I work for now. And they called me and they said, we'd like you to host a podcast and start a podcast. Now, I laughed at them because I said, I've been producing for 20 years. I don't host. (laughs) You want me to host? And they said, yeah, we want you to kind of run with this thing and really make it into something. And that's something I had thought about as well. Like being a part of a faith and sports podcast was something that really was something I was interested in. And so they called and offered that. They called and offered the opportunity to run their website and kind of write content for them. And this is like a month or two after I had signed my contract for my book, which we'll talk about in a minute. And so all these things are happening. And I had to go have that conversation. And maybe you two have had this conversation <laughs> with my wife. And my Not wife. Maybe. It's, it's the conversation. <laughs> it's the conversation, right? Big, yeah. It's the big conversation. Exactly. And I remember a year earlier telling my wife, I'm thinking about trying to leave ESPN and do more for the Lord. And she just looked at me and kind of shook her head. Like, this is the reason we're in Connecticut for ESPN. Mm-hmm. We're not leaving or going anywhere. And she just had this, and, and thank God for our wives, right, Chris? We, she just had oh, this. absolutely. She didn't have the peace in her spirit that I did to want to leave like right at that moment. So it wasn't until last fall of 2016 
when this offer came and these opportunities started to come, when I went back to her and I said, listen, I know that we were kind of tabling this idea of leaving ESPN for a little while, but this is starting to become more of a reality that there's a possibility that I could leave. What do you think of this? And listen, if she said the same thing, like no way, Jose, we, we had to be on the same page. There was no way I was going to walk away from, in essence, a dream job and a very large salary to you know, take a pretty good pay cut and go into ministry unless my wife was going to be completely on board with me. Right. And so important. Yeah, oh my gosh, it is. And it was funny because I had this tunnel vision. I was just like, let's go, let's, let's do this. I got all these great plans and God's going to provide and take care of us. And she's like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes a minute here. We have bills to pay and we have insurance that we have to deal with and all these sort of practical things that my wife was wonderful in making sure I was aware of. And it was probably a good month process of talking it out, praying, and really looking at our situation and just trusting in God to provide when we said, let's do it. And that's when when I told ESPN that I was leaving. And then I, it was February 10th of 2017 when I spent my last day there. And uh, it's been a crazy ride since. That's amazing. I love your <laughs> wife, by the way. <laughs> She's awesome. We, yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we sound very similar. <laughs> Chris and I are, are giving each other the eyes while you're describing uh, that conversation because <laughs> we've definitely yeah. had similar ones ourselves. But yeah. yes, God puts us together for a reason, doesn't he? He yes. knows what he's doing. But yes, he does. I love that. And I know that there's people listening right now who have similar dreams in their heart, whatever it is. They feel that call to risk. They feel that call to jump. What advice would you give to them? Talk them through. How do they find the courage to jump? Yeah, it's interesting because when I was younger, I think, especially if it was before I had even met my wife or was married, I think that courage is more available to us. Like, I think we're ready to try anything. I always tell young people, you know, just try it, just try it, especially if you're not married or tied down or have kids or anything like that. Like, just go out and try anything and everything. So the courage is sort of more prevalent during that phase. But if you're in your 30s or my age, your early 40s, and you've sort of been working somewhere or doing something for a long time, that's where it really is hard to make that decision. And you wrestle with it because comfort really comes into play here. And you're like, well, listen, I got enough money and I got benefits and we have a nice house. And what the heck is the reason for me to take a leap and leave all that? (laughs) And that's a real struggle, I think, that a lot of people go through, including myself. So my advice would be to embrace it, first of all, because I I believe if that's something that's really on your heart, then God has put that there for a reason. There's a passion and a purpose for what you're interested in trying. Is there going to be risk? Of course there's risk. But I believe if we're doing it for the Lord, no matter what it is, that He will provide. He will take care of it. And sometimes the things that we think we're supposed to be doing, God's like, no, I got something even bigger planned for you. You just take that risk and be courageous and be bold and follow what I'm leading you to. Trust me on this. And I'm a witness of that. I really am. Just in 11 months or so of doing that, God has bigger plans than I could ever imagine. Is it easy? No. But I would just say embrace it. Start to really explore it. Pray. Seek the Lord. If you have a peace about this, then it's probably something you should go for. There's tension and there's there's going to be a, a risk, like I said. But when you have that peace and I have had that peace now for 11 months. I've never really regretted any of the decision I made. I haven't. And I haven't even been back to ESPN. I live 15 minutes from there. I haven't had to go back. And I haven't even felt like I needed to go back. It was time to move on and time to take a step. And that's what I would encourage anybody else who's listening is just try and take that first step. 
That is so good, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. I loved yeah. all of that. So I want to jump into your book. And mm-hmm. before I share the title, as a Mets fan, <laughs> right? Yes. You got to tell me about Daryl Strawberry writing the forward of your book. <laughs> Come on, man. That's a, Tell me that. How did that work out? Uh, yeah, trust me. It's pretty crazy that my childhood sports hero wrote the forward to my first book ever, right? Yeah. Um, so I told you earlier, Strawberry is the guy that I had his jersey. I watched all of his mm-hmm. games. And in 2009, also the same year as I met Tony Dungy, Daryl came to ESPN and I got assigned to him, set up his schedule and took him from show to show. And I remember that day, it was in May of 2009 and he had nobody with him. There was no entourage. It was just Daryl Strawberry by himself. So it was me and Daryl. And Oh my gosh, it was one of the best days I've ever spent at ESPN. But the odd thing is, in the seven hours or so that I spent with him, we didn't talk about baseball once, which was, you know, I I kind of, as the sports fan in me, I think, what was I doing not talking about (laughs) the 1986 Mets? Come on. Totally missed it. I missed it. But it was conversations about addiction, about brokenness, about the Lord. You know, his faith was very strong and he had been sober now for a couple of years and he was just getting back on the right track. And I started to share with him from his asking about my dad and my dad's struggle with addiction and alcoholism. And we just spent the whole day talking about that. And so through that, we built up a little bit of a relationship. And every single time we would connect or text or I'd see him or he'd call or I'd book him for an interview on ESPN again, the first thing he would always ask me is how's your dad? Always. And for many years, I I didn't have a good answer for him. I said, listen, he's struggling. He's not doing great. And that's how uh, sort of the relationship built up. And then it was in August, you know, a few months ago when we were starting to put together the book and the forward. And I I had reconnected with Daryl and I asked him, I said, would you be available to kind of write an endorsement or do something for the book? He said, anything you need, Jason. And I said, anything? Okay. Well, <laughs> be careful when you say anything. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I just said, what do you think about the forward for the book? Would you be interested in that? And he said, absolutely. I told you anything. I said, okay. And that's kind of how it came to fruition. So, so cool. So, man. Cool. <laughs> so cool. It's insane. Well, that, I love that story. So, all right. The title of the book is Live to Forgive, Moving Forward When Those We Love hurt us. And it sounds like such a powerful book. I am so excited about jumping into it. Man, tell our audience the whole story. Yeah. So growing up, big sports fan, like I mentioned, and that stemmed from the relationship I had with my grandfather, George Romano, and my dad, Joe Romano. But the very thing that should have brought my dad and I closer together actually tore us apart because my dad had a very uh, long addiction to alcohol from the time I can remember. You know, the book starts with a story of when I was 10 years old and going to my first football game in person. And it wasn't the Cowboys. It was the Eagles and the Giants. My dad is a big Giants fan. And all I remember from that is him being drunk and getting into it with fans in the stands and driving home drunk and the swerving and the just being scared in the back seat as a 10-year-old boy, just trying to figure out what the heck's going on. You know, it's hard for a 10 or 11-year-old to kind of process 
what's happening when your dad is in a state like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the book is, is about forgiveness and the process that it took over 30 years for me to really enter into understanding what forgiveness was and finally coming to a point of being able to forgive my dad. For many years, I, I was very upset and angry that he messed up our lives and messed up his own life, messed up uh, his relationship with my mom. They divorced when I was just six years old. And I had a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, a lot of hatred in a lot of ways towards him. And it wasn't until 2013 when he was at his lowest state, when I finally was able to forgive him and look at him in a different light. And so that's where the book comes from, but it's not just narrative. The book also is some practical thoughts for me and you know how to feel that pain and evaluate that trauma and transform the wound that the person has hurt you with and then eventually coming to forgiveness. So it's a book that's a lot of narrative and told through the eyes of my story with my dad, my relationship, but also practical application type things that you can put into your own life because everybody struggles with forgiveness. They do. Everybody has somebody who's hurt them at one point or another. And some still struggle with that bitterness that's inside of them over something that somebody else did to them. So my prayer is that this book can help people and just kind of walk them through that process that I had to walk through. I love it. That's so huge. And I think, you know, we're all about encouraging people to take risk and go for the dreams that God's put in their life. But part of that is forgiveness, right? Because if we're carrying around that bitterness, it's going to hold us back. We're not going to be able to be effective in what God's called us to do if we're carrying that around. So I love that you've stepped out to do this and and that He's using you to really speak that message. It's it's really great. Yeah. And the one thing I've learned too is that if we're believers, and I know a lot of Christians listen to your show, we're called to forgive. Everyone. That's from Jesus himself. Forgive everyone always. And that is the part that's the hardest. We're not exempt from it just because we're Christians. I was a Christian for 12 years before I finally forgave my dad. And I thought I had, and I knew about forgiveness. And I thought forgiveness was for everyone, but maybe just not for my dad and me. And finally, I had to put my pride aside and look at it through the lens of Christ and say, wait a minute, Jesus loves my dad equally and as much as he loves me. So who am I to hold this grudge? And listen, that's not an instant thing that you just get. It's a process. But for me, it was literally that eye-opening moment to be like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ. That means I have to choose to forgive and live to forgive my dad. That is so good. You know, what I, I love is the other day, I think it was a book launch, book signing thing on social media. I looked and I, yeah. I saw a picture of you and your dad and he was right there supporting you. And, yes. you know, where is he on this whole process? How How is he taking the book and supporting you? It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, before I even entered into the the idea of writing a book, I called him because at that point when I called him, this would have been mid 2016, you know, he had been sober for about three years. And I just said, dad, I got a crazy idea. I said, I'm thinking about writing a book about our life and and our brokenness and forgiveness. I said, what do you think? And honestly, he didn't hesitate. Well, first he said a book, you, (laughs) but then once we got past past that, he said, yeah, if you're going to write this, I want you to write it in as real and as raw a way as possible. Because if it can help one person, then you need to do this. And I said, but it's going to get ugly. There's going to be some really ugly moments. They're going to paint you in a very bad light for some of the book. I said, we know that there's sort of a happy ending and not every struggle with forgiveness has a happy ending. But I said, for us, we have that. There's a reconciliation part of it as well. If you're good with it, I'm good with it. And he said, yeah, you need to write this book. 
And so he's doing well. You know, like I said, he's been sober now four and a half years and he's all in on the book. And and so yeah. I said, a lot of people are going to now know your story because people are reading books and that's how it's going to be. He's like, listen, that's okay. If it helps people, that's what I want. No, it's great. You know, one of the things I love is that in these big decisions, this risk with your wife and this decision with your dad, you took their feelings and their place into consideration and you Mm -hmm. got their blessing before Mm -hmm. you made these big decisions. And I think that that is just something that God honors in our life. This, the key stakeholders in a big decision that we make when we take the moment to really humble ourselves and kind of submit to say, what do you think about this? It not only honors that person, but I believe it honors God. And I believe there's just blessing that kind of pours out on that. Yeah, so I just, agree. That's really cool, man. So we do something before we wrap up every podcast and we ask three questions, kind of rapid fire to our guests. Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's <laughs> okay. <do this. laughs> okay. All right. What's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the 20 year old you? Okay. Let's start with the book. Well, the book, the easy answer is the Bible, but we won't go there. We'll actually say a different book. There's a book called Lead for God's Sake, and it's by a guy named Todd Gongwer. And I was, I don't remember how I got introduced to this book. It has to be about seven years ago now that I read it for the first time. And at that time, I was not a big reader. Really, his book kind of changed me in terms of wanting to read more. And I got this book and I started reading it. I remember I was on an airplane going to Dallas for the Super Bowl in 2011. And I read it just in the entire flight. It was about a four-hour flight, read the whole book. And that's the first time I've ever read a book like that in that short a span of my life. I've reread this book now at least three times. And it's a book about servant leadership told as a fable through the eyes of this janitor and this coach. It is just so powerful. And it opened my eyes to the idea of what servant leadership was about. And since then, I've read tons of other books. A guy named John Gordon has written a ton of books on servant leadership, including a book called The Carpenter, which is another book I highly recommend. But that book, Lead for God's Sake, has truly changed my life and how I view my job. This is at a time when I'm trying to figure out how to be a Christian in the workplace. And servant leadership is the perfect example of how to be a believer in the workplace. It's loving and serving others. And this book was one of those that it really opened my eyes to that. And I can't recommend it more. It's a great read. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look that up for sure. Yeah. Lead for God's sake. So you said habit, huh? Yes. Habit. (laughs) I think I'll, I'll stick more to the last few years. You know, I've made a habit more on starting the day right with the Lord and spending time in his word in the morning, spending time listening praying out loud, but even listening. So this habit of kind of getting my day started right, not only with the Lord, because even if I wasn't praying or reading the Bible, I think a walk in the morning just to kind of get loose, get motivated and listen to some music, whether it's worship music or even just something that's motivational or whatever. It's just a great, great discipline that I've developed over the last few years. That's awesome. What was the third question? The The third one is what advice you would give to the 20-year-old you? Oh, yeah. This is a good one. So the advice I would give to my 20-year-old self is to stop thinking you know everything that (laughs) is going on in the world and within yourself. I think at 20 years old, we think okay, we're, we're an adult now. And when I was 20, I was, I was working a full-time job. I was living in my own apartment and I thought I was the man, you know, I was like, (laughs) all right, this is it. I got life figured out. I'm making money and I'm paying my bills. And I knew nothing. Like I, at 20 years old, I had no clue about anything. And I think the biggest advice I would give to my 20 year old self. And I think a lot of 20 year olds is stop thinking, you know, everything 
and just do more reading, do more listening, find mentors, find people with wisdom who are above you and listen to what they have to say. They're not just trying to be people who are telling you what to do. They're trying to provide wisdom because they've been through it. And Mm -hmm. so I wish that when I was 20, I had a 44-year-old Jason to be able to talk to and hear the advice and the wisdom, then you just gain it over the years. And now in my early 40s, my mid 40s, I need somebody who's 60 to tell me what I'm about to go through the next 15, 20 years. And so it's finding someone to kind of provide wisdom, provide mentor, leadership, whatever it is, just that 20 year old thinks they know everything and they don't want to hear it from anyone uh, about their lives. And I just, uh, I, I wish I could go back and say, man, just stop. You don't know nothing. (laughs) <laughs> do you, think, you don't know uh, anything do you think at 60 or 65 we'll be telling us stuff you didn't know anything at 44 <laughs> probably <laughs> that's what i'll be doing so oh, yeah i gotta figure it out right now right right yeah, yeah, that's 60 year olds like you have no clue. you have no idea son <laughs> oh man so funny exactly. love it and hopefully by the time you're 60 the mets win a world series oh that's <laughs> very nice yeah, it's been so long since my team has been. I mean, it's been 32 years it's going on. It's a long on. time, brother. It's oh, time, yeah. Someday. Okay. All right, well, Jason, thank you so much for yes. being with us, man. This has so been awesome. such an awesome interview. We're so excited about your book. So take a second, and where can people go and find your book? Yeah, so, I mean, it's on Amazon, which is okay. probably the number one place that everybody buys books. So certainly Amazon is the place I would steer people. You can also get it at jasonromano.com, which is my website. Amazon or my website, jasonromano.com. That is awesome. And they can follow you on social and all that from there as well. Yes. Yeah. And I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just at Jason Romano. You can find me for sure. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you so much for sharing your life and your story with us, man. It means the world to us. And I know that this interview is going to help a ton of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris, Jenny, you guys are great. I really appreciate you asking me to be on and uh, just really enjoy talking to you. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks for coming. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, that, my friends, that's an interview. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so thankful for Jason and for having him on the podcast and so thankful for you. Every single week you show up and you support us and you listen and we just can't say thank you enough. And if you haven't gotten the chance yet, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It would mean the world to us. And as always, you can find all the info for today's episode over at our website, onelife.org slash podcast. We'll have all the books that Jason recommended as well as his book, Live to Forgive and all of our favorite quotes and lessons that we learned from our conversation with Jason. It was so good. I'm still chewing on so many of the great things that he talked about. Yeah, such a good one. Well, again, we love you guys. And remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.